This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The NBA is back. Where else can you get this type of drama? Where else does history hang from the Raptors? Jalen Brown throws it down. Where else is your own city? Home to your biggest rivals. The battle of LA is real, people. And 30 feet is still in range. Hurry, action. Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? Where else is history? Still in the making. Oh, my goodness. Where else? The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Welcome to Talking Halos. It's Derek C. Paul here with John Crane. Man, what a weekend for the Angels. Three out of four from Seattle. We now have a Trout versus Bellinger debate, apparently. Bellinger. And, of course, the case for foul pole netting. That's what we're going to be talking about today as we inch closer and closer to the official beginning of summer. John, how you doing, man? Today I am doing fantastic. And you know what? I, I think I've come up with a I, – I think that's, that's – this could define this season for us. Today I'm doing great. Ask me again tomorrow. I might have a different answer. What will define the season for us? The, these games. They, they play so well. They play – you know, they have such great games. And then, you know, then the, we have highs and lows. We've had a lot of highs and lows. But I think we've made a lot of gains this year. Uh, as far as – I think we're making gains with us, especially the young talent we got playing that we're, get, that we're given opportunities to. Well, yeah, there was some definite opportunities today, some really cool things that happened on the field. I don't know about, you know – I, I don't know. I, I'm kind of iffy on the thought process. You're saying, well, we're on the way up or so on and so forth. This is a very, very kind of easy part of the schedule compared to what we're going to see in August and September. September is brutal. I don't know if you've seen it, the schedule for September, but it's brutal. So I don't know how to really look at this team because they're not beating the good teams or beating up on teams we need them to beat up on. Like, so does that make them average? Does that make them reasonably decent or what? What, what does it actually make them? Well, I, I think, I think I maybe miss you misunderstood. I, I'm not saying that they're on the way up. I'm saying that this season, this season is looking like the season I'd hoped we would bringing up new people, giving pitchers their first starts, okay. getting up, get, 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 working towards the future. I don't think anything that's happening this season is really about this season. It's about what our future. And I think the Angels are it's, they're starting to reflect that on the field. And uh, you know, obviously we have a good we have a good performance. I mean, we've had some 
Outstanding performances, good, solid, let's say solid, I'm sorry, solid performances all week, all, all, all games against Seattle for our pitcher, pit, uh, pitching staff. So, Well, I guess my main contention is I am cautiously optimistic. I mean, I've been more optimistic on this show, but anybody who's listened to talking Rams, uh, for, to Rams Talk, for example, knows that I am the show's pessimist. I, I've been there and done that. And so I'm cautiously optimistic about the team's direction right now, but I also look at this and go, I honestly think that Seattle is the worst team in baseball at the moment. Not Baltimore, not Detroit. I know those teams have worse records, but the way Seattle's playing right now, it is awful. Gosh awful. I mean, I don't even want to go into how bad it really is, but today's score indicated it. Um, Thursday's score indicated it. And... I don't want to give too much thought into, say, Seattle. I can look back a series before that, the Oakland series, and go, okay, yeah, yeah, okay. I'll go with that. They took two out of three from Oakland. Tough series. Oakland been had been, have been playing well, had won 10 in a row at one point, so I'll take that. But overall, I do have some concerns still. Well, what better opportunity to, to start like a Felix Pena and, and, and a Jose Suarez today? Um, I've, granted, our offense is really what's, uh, you know, aided these pitchers during this series. But, and you know, they just did, you know, so I guess I'm saying solid starts considering their experience. And um, But uh, I, I, I think they took advantage of a Seattle team to, to try some new things. When Gifo got a home run today, I mean, there's all sorts of, uh, you know, yeah, I, I just like the, the new faces. No, it is nice. It's exciting to see these guys getting there because at the worst, at worst comes the worst. We're going to see what this team's really made of real quick. You know, we're going to figure this out. We're going to see it for ourselves, and it'll be nice to know what they really have down the stretch. I just want these guys, these kids, the lobbyists, kids. Really, I'm 40, so all these guys are kids, and I want them. I wanted to see them grow, and this is the opportunity for them to grow, to keep getting better, so on and so forth. Now, we have three games to go over. We have a little bit of controversy to talk about. So before we do, folks, let's go ahead and just say, hey, if you like our show, I if you are enjoying the show, Please head over to iTunes and subscribe. We would really appreciate a five-star review to help us move up the charts. If you want us to earn it, great. Email us at talkinghalos at gmail.com. Give us your feedback. You can also send us a voicemail at 657-666-5453. If you're a new listener, our request to you is, hey, share the show. Share it out to one person, just one person that's an Angels fan. Let them know about our podcast and let them decide for themselves. It means the world to us. We're doing the best we can to provide some coverage to this team. John and I both agree, it's why we started this show, that the media coverage in SoCal of the Angels, is it safe to say, is less than desired? Uh, yeah, I think, well, I think we might even, I might even have some points on that when we go to the Bellinger-Trout debate. Sure. And we're not, by the way, taking digs at people like Maria Torres at the LA Times or Jeff Fletcher over the at the Orange County Register. No, 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 no. That's not what we're saying. What we're saying is, is that there needs to be more Angels coverage. And we're hoping to help provide that for you. Okay, so here we go. Angels, game one. They go into 
Seattle having taken two, two or three from Oakland. And I got to tell you, I got to tell you, they looked pretty good right away. Top of the first inning in that game. Pujols singles to left, scores David Fletcher, who, by the way, had a monster series. Monster series. Top of the second, Cole Calhoun homers. Mike Trout RBIs. Uh, singles in Luis Renjifo. Cesar Puelo scores in the home runs in the top of the third. Top of the fourth, Mike Trout doubles in. Uh, Dustin Garno and Luis Renjifo. Luis Renjifo doubles in deep center. 8 nothing in top of the five. Oh, by the way, this game ends 9-3. Angels over Seattle, complete night for the Angels offense to score in multiple innings. Cross the first five and plus one in the ninth. Cole Calhoun had a nice game that game. Nine hits, fifteen uh, sorry, nine runs, fifteen hits, one error to three runs, four hits, one error. Star of that game, Mike Trout, two of three for three RBI, two walks. Man, that guy was on base all freaking night. By the way, he brought his he brought his earn on man. I'm off my game a little bit. He brought his batting average up to 299 by the end of the series. It was around 281. So, if you think that Mike Trout was slumping, well, I guess that slump is over. Also in that game, Cesar Puello three of five RBI, Cole Calhoun two of four, two RBIs, a home run double. So pitching wise, Luis Garcia was the opener, gave up a hit. Felix Pena went. Uh, five and a third, give it three hits, three earned runs, three walks, eight strikeouts. I don't know if you noticed this, but Angels starting pitching, their only problem throughout this entire series was the home run ball. Home run ball, you got it. Exactly. That was it. If the Angels can, can really fix that, that'll be a major, major change. And they were, it was really bad because I don't know how many games you were able to, I caught all four. Mm-hmm. Okay. I was driving I from Pittsburgh. Of, I got parts of all four. Definitely yeah. parts of all four. Today, today I did a lot of. Unfortunately, today I did a lot of following on the phone. I caught the early part of the game, but not the end. I was listening. It was safely in hand. Like that. <laughs> yeah, I was listening to the game on the way home from Pittsburgh. Like my daughter runs the bases in, at the end of the Pittsburgh game, and then I'm bolting to the car and get, <laughs> getting the game on. So I. I'm noticing, and it's pretty sad that the announcers notice and the, the trend the Angels have is pitching a guy high and then coming back low, and, the, and teams are expecting that. So, if the announcers are, are picking up, teams are picking up on it. You might want to change your routine here. It's just a minor thing to point out. Overall, the pitching in this series was solid, actually very solid from everybody on board. Jake Jewell had two and two thirds innings that day, get a, a walk and three strikeouts. Got his ERA down to 8.59. That tells you how where he was when he started the year in his brief appearances. So, 9-3 Angels. That's game one. Game two, frustrating game. The frustrating game of the series. Angels lose 4-3, have six hits that day, leave all kinds of runners on base. The Seattle wins it with only five hits, by the way. There are five hits. Tom Murphy, home run, scores Jay Bruce. That makes it 3-0 the bottom of the fifth. Another home run from Jay Bruce. In deep center, and bottom of the seventh, the Angels had all kinds of opportunities. Mike Trout and Shohei Otani go deep back to back in the top of the sixth. Shohei Otani goes and singles in a, to left center in top of the eighth. Had all kinds of opportunities. Matter of fact, the Angels did leave six other runners on base. They just could not. They seemed impatient. They couldn't really hit in this game at all. Jared Walsh, the rough day, went 0 for four. Tommy, Tommy Lestello, a rare 0 for four day as well. Pitching. I know you'll like this. Tyler Skaggs, your favorite pitcher. 
no. took the no, loss. No, Ramirez is my favorite pitcher, <laughs> but okay. <laughs> well, I'm just giving you a hard time. Skaggs with seven innings, five hits, eight strikeouts, one walk, but four earned. And those earned runs, most of them came off of, that's right, the home run ball. Yeah, home run and balls. So he pitched better than his line looks, unfortunately, but he couldn't keep the ball in the park. Mike Leak for Seattle had a really nice day to go. He went seven innings, five hits. Someday, Mike Leak, if you go look at his history in the game, he's he's a the great mystery because he had all the stuff to be a solid number two or even maybe even a, a low level number one pitcher on many teams. Sometimes I'm great, but his consistency is well not there. You know, all of a sudden he'll be horrible. That's why he has six losses this year. Very frustrating guy to watch. That was game. That was game two. There isn't a whole lot to say about it. The Angels just didn't hit. Just didn't hit. Offense did very little. The pitching, home run balls killed Tyrus Skaggs. There's not much else to say. Game- well, I mean, honestly, we could say we, we could be telling this story. I mean, I know Skaggs did give up the home run, but but I mean, the Angels were scored ridiculous amount of runs in every game, but that game. I mean, you know, thirteen to three today. Uh, you could have could have covered that up, but you know they didn't. That he just happened to pitch the game. I'm not defending him. I'm just saying that he just happened to be pitching on the game where they didn't. Uh, you know, the floodgates didn't burst open for the well, Angels. That's, that's kind of my complaint about the Angels' offense overall. They are inconsistent. Like they'll pile on runs. Thirteen today. What was it? Um, was today uh, it was thirteen today? Yesterday six it was, was six. Six and the game and one series on nine. Friday they, got, Friday they got three, and then then Thursday they got nine. Yeah, so nine, six, and thirteen. Three of the four games there, and I, but they'll do things like Friday night, and they'll just won't hit anybody. And you're wondering what's well, going I, on. I never got a response uh, on somebody about the rule book about you know banking runs for another game. Oh goodness, <laughs> I rolled my eyes at that one. So, <laughs> so game three of the series, Pujols top the first. Two run home run. That by the way, that that home run, the scoring run then was David Fletcher. So we need to talk about some Fletcher because Fletcher had an amazing series. Carlos, my wife's Puello. down for that. My wife is down for that. Big yeah. fan of David Fletcher. My wife, Carlos Caesar Puello, doubles to left, scores Fletcher again in the third. So there's two runs from Fletcher. Cole Calhoun with a home run, a two run shot, top of the eighth, and then Mike Trout with a with a nice shot in top of the ninth. That toss-off scoring Angels win 6-3. The only problem, again, for the Angels, let's go with our theme of the night. Pitching, what was the problem there, John? Late homer. Home runs. Yes, home run late. Encarnacion. And then in the bottom of the six, a two-run shot, a monster. 415-foot home run. Again, Encarnacion uh, scores Mitch Hanniger. If the Angels can cut back on the home run balls, man, this is a different, different team. Andrew Heaney goes six innings, strikes out ten with no walks. Only run scored came off those home runs. So a solid performance from him. Cam Bedrosian, uh, we were waiting for him to blow the save. save. He did not. Gave a hit, had a strikeout, got the win, went two and three now. Ty Buttry, another hold. He has an inning, gives a, uh, has another strikeout. And Hansel Robles, two strikeouts, gets a hit, and gets the safest seventh of the year. I can say, wow, okay, all right. But even here's my concern. Even in the game three here, Tommy Malone goes four and third innings for Seattle, seven hits, but most of that damage was done at one point. He actually kind of solidified himself after a rough second inning. And you have to wonder, 
again, I wanted to see consistency. Today, the Angels scored 13 runs, but most of those runs came in just two innings. So they're so, they're so um, what's the word, feast and famine. Well, this is this is I, you know I, I really started to think about it this was thinking especially this series, I, you know I say we don't have an ace we don't need it we just need consistency we need we need somebody to grab the consistency mantle because Heaney and and Skaggs they do have real talent, Canning does, um, I just they're just so inc- they're just not consistent which I mean I guess yeah they're just not consistent. And that's what you're looking for. You're looking for consistency across the board. You know, moving on here into game four of the series, what you want to look at here is a 13-3 demolition of Seattle. Really, if you look back at it, the Angels totally outplayed Seattle. It's brought me back to that podcast where he had Minnesota's Brandon Warner, Brandon Warner on, and I asked mm-hmm. him about the two teams, Seattle and the Angels. The Angels were struggling a little bit at the time, and he said, oh, the Angels by far were the better team. I'm paraphrasing there, and now you see why. A 13-3 win, it was uh, 13 runs, 12, 12 RBIs in the game, thir- 15 hits. The Angels still left a ton of people on base, even with all that. Nice performance across the board from the offense. In those two innings, we see Luis Renjifo get his first career home run. Congratulations, rookie. 424 shot. Now send him back. No, no, he's not the one we sent back down. I'm sorry. I got, I got confused. Well, I got my He's confused. You, you live confused. <laughs> 424 foot shot the deep right. Albert Pujols gets a little bit of a gift. He gets a ground rule double to deep center in the bottom of the fifth. Scores two runs. That was a ball that should have been caught. The guy lost it in the sun. Um, but hey, when you need it, you need it. Pujols can use a little bit of help these days. He also homered again early, early on. A three run shot screen Fletcher. And that name comes up again. Fletcher and Mike Trout. 13-3 overall. The the really thing, the big thing we want to highlight here, is the pitching. And the pitching being Jose Suarez comes up, knows that there'll probably be a one-time up thing, and sure enough, he was he was sent down after the game. Five into their innings, five hits, three earned runs, three walks, four strikeouts, and a home run. We know about his control problems. That was being a concern with his, and he, yeah, he did walk three and five into their innings, but overall. For a rookie starting on the road, not bad, man. How do you feel about his performance? Hey, Cody Allen walked two in one inning, and and, and <laughs> so I mean, uh, uh, I do. I I mean, for a, a, this is his first first start ever. I think it's a, a solid start for a first start. You know, for a first start in the major leagues. Um, again, the offense made it a lot easier to to. I, I think it took a lot of pressure off off him. Which is nice, but uh, I'm I'm optimistic. I'm optimistic again. Anytime I see new people come in and get an opportunity, and they, and they don't just you know the wheels don't come off, I'm I'm optimistic. Well, he's only 21 years old, so I can take that and go. You know what? This is something to build on for him. Good for him to get a win in his first career start. And congratulations to Luis Renjifo on his first career home run. A good day for the young guys. Even Jared Walsh didn't give it an earned run. He's basically, they had him fill in the top of the ninth inning just to get some work in, basically save the rest of the pitching staff. That's what they were basically doing. And yes, two walks, also a strikeout, but to give other players rest, good day for the Angels pitching staff, good day for the Angels overall. They take the series three out of four. The Angels are now 29-30. They sit in 
fourth place, believe it or not, tied with Oakland. The standings in the AL West. This Houston's forty and twenty. Texas at thirty and twenty-seven in second place, eight and a half games back. The Angels and A's are tied at twenty-nine and thirty for third place, basically fourth place by uh, by run differential and divisional record. And then Seattle at twenty-five and thirty-seven. I make the argument again. I'll say it again. The Seattle with a minus seventy-one run differential. They have been awful since their hot start. I'm going to say it now. They are worse than Kansas City, even though Kansas City is 19-40. They are worse than Detroit, and I honestly believe they're worse than Baltimore. Baltimore, they're, Baltimore has a lower, has a higher run differential, minus 121. Uh, Detroit, minus, 90, uh, minus 98. But for Detroit, there's some flashes with their pitching there. For Baltimore, there's some flashes with their hitting there. They have some things going on. Seattle is so flawed. Seattle only thing only thing Seattle really does is hit home runs. Did you notice that in the series? Mm-hmm. They can't pitch. They can't feel for Jack. Their bullpen's a mess. Their starting pitching's a mess. They, they 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 just don't do a whole lot besides power hit. It's all they got. And they got a nice stadium to do it in. And yeah, and this I think we 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 discussed them. Their pitching staff uh, makes us feel a little better about ours. Well, yeah, so when this when this season's over, I, I fully expect not Kansas City, Detroit, or Baltimore to have the worst record in the league. I really think at this point, Seattle's going to be down there. They just can't pitch. They can't pitch and they can't field. Do you know all the errors in this game? I was, I was stunned by this graphic for Seattle. I think it was, was it Thursday's game? Where they were, I believe, 20 errors ahead of any other team in the American League in terms of errors. Whoa! How do you and they and they did again. They had uh, these are professionals. We're these talking. are professionals, okay? But they're just bad. They had three errors today alone. Three today. Worst. Just to me, they're the worst team in the majors. I think the other teams out there, like Detroit, Kansas City, and and Baltimore, are going to grow this year. And we're seeing growth from the Angels. I so, I. We've talked about it several times. I mean, I'm even just looking, playing around like the. I mean, the wild card right now. We're only with two games out of the wild card right now. Go look at that September schedule, man. It's brutal. Yeah, well, I don't see it. Live I, for the day, Derek. Live for the huh? day. I'm live living, I listen. I'm living for the day. When I'm saying you, you're the one that mentioned the wild card. I'm saying, <laughs> I'm saying this. Look at that schedule. It's brutal. I'm going to enjoy today. I'm going to look at today and go three out of four. Hopefully, I can go to Chicago. And then come back around and be fine. I don't like how that was slotted in, but I mean it's kind of it's kind of messed up. Have the Angels fly east to Chicago and have to fly right back home. I'm wondering what what the uh, factors were for that. That why that couldn't be worked out later in the year. But hey, there you I, go. I, I agree because I, I looked at the I looked at tomorrow's game and I thought I started preparing to. To, for a Chicago series, and then I noticed, oh, it's only a one game. It's only a one game makeup. Yikes! That is it. That is a that. Yeah, I agree. That is a yikes. I mean, yeah, <laughs> a big yikes. By the way, other other notes. Now moving on, the draft begins at three p.m. Pacific time on the MLB Network. So if you're in a, if you want to watch the draft, the game should be over tomorrow. So the game should be over by the time the draft starts. Right now, it looks like. For pitching, Cam Bedrosian will take the field to start the game at two and he's two and three three oh eight ERA. I, I don't see yet. Did you see yet who's who's gonna come in the second inning for him? Uh I had the, I had all the games up here. They're going they're going against John Lester, but I don't I don't see yet who is up to after the opener. I've been looking it up. 
I think it's Cahill. So Trevor Cahill will go. There it is. It's on the Angels website. So Trevor Cahill will go. Oh, yeah. I just showed Verdroshan. Okay. But, yeah, yeah you, so it's Cahill. So Trevor Cahill come in the second inning. Uh, okay. Good luck. <laughs> good luck. Okay. So. Verdroshan might take some of the pressure off him. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> come on. I just. Well, Trevor Cahill's shown some flashes this year. But home run ball gets him every time. Hopefully the wind's blowing in in Chicago tomorrow, and that'll help him out a little bit. That's what I can hope for. All right, so what else is going on here? Well, first up, we do want to go ahead and say reach out to us, please, if you're interested in sponsoring us. I can tell you our listenership is booming. For a brand-new podcast that's only a month old, it's booming. If you want to be a part of it before we grow even more and advertise with us, reach out to us at TalkingHalos at gmail.com if you like what we're doing. I want to help us keep the lights on here because I think John has now been moved to where? A box. A box. A cardboard box. <laughs> a cardboard box, okay. You can also leave a voicemail. If you, uh, we'll give you a call back at 657-666-5453. All right. So another thing that's been really kind of a ticking time bomb in terms of debates here in the last couple of weeks, especially with Cody Bellinger's uh, big start, is we're starting to see – the comparison to Mike Trout. And here's my question for you, John. Is it too early to have this debate? Or is it a legit debate to have in terms of best players in baseball, best player in baseball, Trout versus Cody Bellinger? Where do you stand on this? And okay. let's throw the homer out. Let's, just be, let's look at numbers and, and thoughts here. Let's, I, I, let's put the fact that we're Angels fans aside here for a moment and try and be objective as best we can. Well, before the season started, Mike Trout was was – being named as definitely the 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 a generational player, um, potentially an all time, I mean one of the all time greats. His WAR number is is off the charts. Um, I mean it was undisputed. This he was the best player in the game and potentially the best player, one of the best players of all time. All of a sudden this year Trout has a what I what I I call a Trout slump. You know, everybody was worried, you know, that they were he's had a trout slump and Cody Bellinger, who happens to play down south, uh, no, excuse me, up north from us in a team that has gone to the World Series two years in a row, has a, you know, a trout like start, um, which I think anybody, you know, several players have good seasons. I'm not saying Bellinger's not going to have mold, but I'm just saying that um, I think a lot of it has to do that he plays for the Dodgers that this discussion is even being had if if Trout played for the for the Dodgers I don't and and Cody Bellinger played for the Angels with the same records I don't think this would even be a conversation you don't think so I, I don't I, I, how, I how can how can you be telling me that that this is I mean I've seen the numbers I mean Cody Bellinger's he's 23 years old he plays for he's played for three seasons I've had I've listened for nine seasons. Mike Trout, twenty-seven. He's four years older. He's twenty-seven, and most of those uh, nine seasons, he's people have ref- as have referred to him as potentially one of the you know the, well his WAR numbers are off the chart. Compared him to Hall of Famers, uh, to all-time greats on a regular basis, and still calling him by far, hands down, the best player in the game before this season started. So I mean, you know, talk to me in six more seasons. I guess is what I'm saying. Uh, well, I agree. It's ridiculous. Okay, I, I honestly believe it's 
super ridiculous at this point to make that comparison when there's a difference in the, in their careers. We're talking about one season right now. So let's go ahead and look at the numbers here. Cody Ballinger for the Dodgers. We'll go ahead and say in the Dodgers, he has in his thus far this year 20 home runs, 52 RBIs. He's batting 376. So on base percentage is 462, an OPS of 1.195. That's outstanding, right? That's outstanding. He deserves all the credit in the world. He is a definitive all-star, and he should be applauded for his effort. Okay, Back up a little bit. 2017 is rookie year, 39 home runs, 97 RBIs. Strikes out 146 times, by the way, at the plate. 267 batting mm-hmm. average. Last year... 25 home runs, 76 RBI, strikes out 151 times, 260 batting average. On base percentage of 343, slugging at 47 for an OPS of 814. So what we're looking at in his third year here is a career year. A career year. Now going back to Mike Trout, I think it's fair, I think it's more fair to look at the numbers in terms of where they were. At that point, Mike Trout's third year, 39 doubles, 27 home runs, 97 RBI, 110 walks. Does still He strikes out a lot, 136 strikeouts, 33 steals, so 323 average, 432 on base percentage, 557 slugging percentage, and 988 OPS. So first thing I want to point out, John, tell me if I'm wrong here. They are different players. They're completely different players. He doesn't have as much power as Bellinger, even though he's had 41 home runs before. Okay? Mm-hmm. I would say his power is nowhere near in terms of where Bellinger is. He's more mm-hmm. of a doubles guy as well. He's, he's going to have more doubles career than Bellinger will. He's, he hits for better average. He hits better OPS. He better OPS. Am I wrong anywhere here? No. All right. So what would make Bellinger the best player in the game after only two months of greatness in one season, uh, uh, it's delusional, in my opinion. It's it's just it's it's it's, it's you can't com- it's you can't compare the two. You can say he's having a season a season you know better than I don't know at the end maybe he's maybe he'll have a season this year better than any season Mike Trout's ever had. But that's one season. Now you still got to keep you got to keep doing it like Mike Trout, like Mike Trout's done. Mike Trout's having a solid season this year and we ain't even at the all star break. So I think uh, whatever kinks he's had, or he's going to work out, but it doesn't matter. He's I don't think this is a debate, really. So the, why are we seeing it? I I think again I'm going to go back to I think you, you know I live I live in this town and we talk you talk about talking about uh, I think I sent a, a tweet to Maria Torres and I said uh, no was it yeah I sent her a tweet to Maria Torres and I said hey I, you just I want to you know I want to make sure that your office is as big as the Dodger beat writer's office because I mean I I just it's the Dodgers they've been in the World Series this is a Dodger town and the Dodgers are more nationally. Uh, get coverage, and I think that that it's kind of like it's uh, be like the Lakers and Clippers. I don't think we're that. I don't think that there's that big of a gap. Well, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm biased on that one, but it's like the Lakers and Clippers. Um, I think that's why he's all this discussion is being had. Well, I, there's one more thing here that people need to realize when making this comparison. If we're just if we're going to avoid the, the the city debate here, 
Where does Bellinger normally hit? Bellinger normally hit on in the lineup. I don't know. You tell take, me. Take a guess. Take a guess. Where do you think he hits? Uh, I'm going to say he hits. He bats fourth. You would be correct. There where does Mike Trout normally hit? He usually hits either second or third. Okay. So who has more RBI opportunities overall? That would be Bellinger. Okay. So you're you're making comparisons of players despite the fact they they are two different types of players. There are two different points in their careers, and they have different opportunities at the plate. This is true. Good point. On the definitely on the RBI. Yeah, Trout hits a home run, in all likelihood, it's a, it's a, it's an empty base home run. Well, thirty nine home runs last year, right? Only seventy nine RBIs. Thirty nine mm-hmm. and seventy nine. The year before, thirty three and seventy two. Twenty fifteen, forty one home runs, only ninety RBIs. Well, why? And that's because he's hitting at a higher point in the lineup. He has been for years. Imagine what his numbers would be if he was hitting hitting cleanup with someone behind him. Mike Trout hits like this without a bona fide <coughs> average hitting star behind him. What behind I mean by average hitting is a person who will hit for a high enough average to be a threat. That they have to pitch to Trout. <laughs> yes. <coughs> Which, yeah, and, and they don't currently have that right now. You're correct. No, I mean, you could say Albert Pujols, Albert Pujols is hitting 233. You could say it's Cole Calhoun, but he hits around 240. These people aren't, they're not threats. They're not a big enough threat to a pitcher to entice them to really go after Mike Trout. Or, or sorry, yeah, go ahead. They're going to work around him. They're going to, you know, we're going to walk him a lot. Well, and, and as an Angel fan, I'll tell you, you know, I mean, I don't mean to come down. I mean, yeah, I always defend Albert, but gosh, if you just walk him, you, you know, you got a, You got a fair shot to get a double play with Albert with his, how, how slow he is and his tendency to do that, either hit a home run or, um, you know, ground out. So <laughs> I'm not going to pick on Albert there, though. Albert's freaking darn near 40 years old. Is he, I don't blame him for being slow, <laughs> but I know I- the overall build of the lineup, right? His OPS right now is 1.071 at 299. This is Mike Trout. And this is when he's been on a slump for a quote-unquote slump for much of the year. He has the highest on-base percentage of his career right now at 467. There's been no other point in his career where he had a higher one. Last year was his original career high at 460. So he's doing the job. He's doing the job. He did, but he's such, he's such a, a team player. And then so, you know, he's, he's willing to do things like that. It's more. It's more importantly to contribute to the team than the flashes of, uh, you know, the flashy home run swinging for the fences. So there you go. All right, folks. Moving on. We do have one more thing we want to cover tonight, and that is the netting. Jeff Passan wrote an article for ESPN.com earlier this week after the big incident with the Cubs game, where a four-year-old girl was hit by a, a line drive and went to the hospital. It was a really emotional scene, and. Immediately, the police come from people like Jeff Pass at ESPN. Where else did you see it? You saw it where else? It was in USA Today. Um, USA Today with Bob Nightingale. And yeah. I, I, I think it was on, on Gola Wingo. Yeah, I woke up that morning, turned my car on uh, to drive to work, and Gola Wingo were talking about that. I think they had a guest on talking about how they have to put this has to stop. The team, the, the players have to demand it. The teams have to take accountability. 
I, so, I, I don't agree with that. Well, I have a, a fundamental problem with this, and I'll, I'll, I'll use my daughter as an example. Today, I took my daughter to her first Major League Baseball game. Now, we live in Northeast Ohio, so our choices of going are the Indians or the Pirates. Well, there's a little bit of tradition to be where I'm at. My, my family took me to my first Pirates game. So my first game was a Pirates game. And even though I'm a diehard Angels fan, that's where I took my daughter. It's a beautiful ballpark. It's got, they have a really nice backdrop with the river there, the Three Rivers. And, you know, it's a, just a great place to watch a game. And where do you think I pick my seats at? Do you think I pick my seats along the first base line or the third base line? Or where do you think I pick my seats, John? You picked them in the John Crane seats is what you did. Right Which up, are what? Up, up, upper deck. And you were kind of like, I liked your seats. Yours were kind of near home plate, right behind home plate in the upper deck. Yeah, and we got them for eight bucks. By the way, yeah, you're darn too. I, I try not to pay more than ten for up tickets. Okay, now I like sitting close. If my daughter's there, not there. Sorry, if my daughter's not there, I am sitting close. I'm going to spend some money. I purposely sat far away, and the reason being is I don't trust myself to be fast enough to protect her from a line drive. Now, my point here is not to pick on. The parents of the four-year-old. I'm not doing that. Don't think that. Don't don't take it that way. Somebody out there is going to say, how dare you judge these parents? No, it's called good parenting. Okay? And it's really about making a choice in the end. And what I mean is this. Do you value and does your child value? Do you and your child value the up-close experience of being on that first and third base line along that side? Or do you value protection? And to me, on my part, I believe I'm being a good parent by not trusting myself to be able to protect her from a line drive and keep her away. Maybe those parents felt different. And this is not a judgment of them. Maybe they have a different view. I'm not going to judge that. I'm saying, for me, I believe I'm being a good parent by making that decision. And if I'm going to go to a game with my brother or with you, John, hopefully one day we'll be able to catch names together, we're going to sit wherever the heck we want to sit. And this is my problem here, and, and maybe I'm not. It felt like you were maybe on this path that we're discussing on social media. It at some point here, we are going to have to make some decisions as a society. We, we tend to try and just have the governmental body in charge here go out there and make decisions for us, whether it be for netting in a baseball game or for uh, something else. Okay, whether it be the, the Medicare, Medicaid, whatever. Okay. Why why aren't we able to make our own individual choices here? Why would we want to, to take the individual choice of a person picking what are they going to do, take a risk or not? Basically, why are people trying to legislate our experience at a baseball game? This game's been, been played for over 100 years. These accidents do happen, but they can happen in any sport, in any place. So why would... Why do we have to try and legislate and force teams to do things, quote-unquote, for the greater good? You want to know why? Because it makes people feel better to, 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 to legislate, to say that this is it and it, it, you know, you, you, we, we, can't, we have to put nettings up to protect everybody. And, it, and, and it's not really a commonsensical uh, um, 
solution. In fact, I found several articles. I found an article where it was in, in Boston. They put up netting behind the, the it, more netting and the fans complained because I can tell you right now, Derek, I have a baseball that my daughter got. Now we were sitting near the, near the dugout, um, up several things, but we were on the dugout side and she got a ball. It was actually thrown up to her. So she didn't catch it. But I mean, that ball's in a little plastic case right now. Um, what kid or adult doesn't go into a baseball game dreaming of catching a ball? And, you know, when my daughter caught that, I told her, guess what? You know, you just did something 45 years before I've ever, you know, I've never got one. And I mean, that's part of the the baseball experience. I mean, I heard, a, I heard, a, I heard, and I don't remember who the player was. The player said, my kids don't sit here. My kids sit up and, you know, yeah, it's nice because you, you can afford a luxury box and you're with your wife or you're given a luxury box or special thing. But, you know, just average Joe fan who spends like you, me and 10 bucks on a ticket. And if, and if, you know, we feel it's safe, we deem it safe or where we don't have our kids and we want to sit where we can potentially get a ball, you know, we get a ball. The two examples used in those articles, you know, is, is a baby. And then they referred to a, a, an elderly lady at Dodger Stadium who was who passed away. Both kind of, you know, uh, I guess you'd say defenseless, uh, you know, examples. Um, but I honestly believe that you're in more danger of being injured driving to to and from the stadium than you are inside the stadium. Especially if you're driving in SoCal. <laughs> exactly what I'm referring to. Yeah, exactly. But I look at like this as well. You are trying to use emotional arguments. What I hate about the Passon argument is Passon opened up his article with this massive emotional outpouring of this whole this whole story, and then he says he falls back in this position of give me one good reason why they shouldn't put netting up. And I'm sitting there thinking, well, here's the reason why they shouldn't put up netting for it. because we're paying for that view. We're paying for that view. And we're making that decision on our own. Now, do I, the, the, does that mean that there shouldn't be netting? No. You have netting behind home plate. You have netting stretching out to the dugouts on both the first base and third base line. If you put netting going all the way foul pole to foul pole, which is what he's suggesting, you're going to completely obstruct the view of the entire lower bowl of people, many of which aren't going to bring kids to sit that close to the to sit that close. Some will, and some are going to be confident they can protect their kids. And but I don't even know how else to say that, John. You you're basically telling forty thousand, thirty thousand people in a game. I know what's better for you. You you don't have the right to make your own decisions. What I think is I like how he's he's speaking for the fans, saying the fans should demand it or the players should demand it. Um, I just I I think if you you know that that article, it was it was from, I think, 2015 or uh, about the Red Sox that they tried it. If you put that stuff up, that's I mean, I I think the fans will revolt. I truly do. Who wants netting in front of unless you're sitting behind home plate? That's a nice seat. But yeah. uh, but no, I, I, I just this is just this is people trying to make themselves feel better about about something by, you know, legislating something that is not is not really a problem that needs to be legislated. I mean, I it, things happen. Accidents happen. And again, it's more dangerous to drive to, to, to the game than it is at the game. I've never been in fear of being uh, injured at a baseball game or my children. Well, there was 
I told the story online. I was at a Pittsburgh game years ago where a it was a left-handed hitter. He cranked it high up into the upper, um, the first base upper, upper, upper reserve bleachers. Not bleacher seats, okay? Struck a lady right dead in the chest, okay? Dead in the chest. Netting wasn't going to stop that. Netting was never going to stop it. So my po- this is my point is you can't prevent accidents. They're going to happen. And you, well, let me rephrase, you can't prevent all of them. You can't play God, okay? There is a safe, there's a safety threshold, I believe, okay? So if you're behind home plate, given the number of foul backs straight there, line drive foul backs on the first base side up to the dugout, I understand the netting there. I get that. And in some cases, you're probably paying for both the view and the protection. Okay, because a ball coming off a bat right there, going 110 miles an hour, right behind home plate, you're in trouble. I get it. Okay, but you can't legislate this for an entire ballpark of people. It's silly. I know people don't care about looks. It'll look ridiculous, but you're going to have a lot of people saying my view is being obstructed. In his case was, well, people won't notice after a while. I notice, man. I notice I'm sitting behind a a, a fence or a, what was it again? Netting. I notice it. You notice. I notice it. I've sat behind netting before. You notice yeah, your golf. You know, you know the game that I went to that I was on TV with with Canning. With me and Griffin Canning were on TV. Uh, that game, a, ball, a fly ball was hit, and I think I told you this story. And, and this girl was sitting uh, talking to her parents, and it was a total up in the air fly ball, cracked her right on top of the head. You could hear it from. I could hear it from where I was. I was probably about fifteen feet away from her, and. God bless her. She was she was smiling about it five minutes later, and they all helped her. But Nettie wouldn't have stopped that. It was a it was a high fly ball hit off at batting practice and cracked her right on top of the head. And she you know she she was laughing about it to her credit. They gave her ice and they told her where to reach a you know if she wanted needed medical attention they could do it and covered all their bases with her. But well, hopefully they gave her some ice cream too. <laughs> I just wanted to help to keep the ball. I think she got to keep the ball. That's the best part. Yeah. <laughs> uh, again, folks, I, I understand if you disagree with us on this. I really do. It's we live in society now where we tend to not be able to have these conversations. It's okay to disagree. So if you disagree with us, please send us an email at talkinghalosgmail.com. You can tweet us as well. Um, you can leave a voicemail six five seven six 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 five four five three. I'm willing to have this discussion. You can change my mind. Go for it. Okay, I'll give it a shot. But I just don't see it as necessary. We've had this game going on since the 19th century. It's it's that's a long time. There have been some very intimate ballparks built during that time frame. Fenway Park is as intimate as it gets. Wrigley Field intimate. This has been around for a long time. So. It just seems ridiculous to me that all of a sudden here in 2019, we're worried about netting all the way around the field. We take a risk. We choose to pay the money for the seat we sit at. You can't stop it all. I mean, you can you can go to a high school baseball game and have that happen. You can go to a, geez, a college baseball game off an aluminum bat, and it can happen. It's part of the sport in terms of the risk that's taken to go watch a game. The same thing happens in hockey. You're going to say, well, they have glass all around. Well, you think glass stops every hockey puck? They can go over. And, you, you know, it's, it sounds, nobody reads that stuff, but it's on the fine print of the ticket. Has been for years. 
which it's the risk you take. And and I, I just say, leave it. Quit trying to solve a. Quit trying to find a problem to solve. If to me, if teams want to make that decision, let them make the decision on their own. Don't try and legislate it for them. Don't try and force them. Don't try and guilt them into doing it. If the Angels want to go put foul pole to foul pole up. Okay, that's your business. Go give it a try and see how fans react. That's your business. But don't try and guilt them into it. Don't try to emotionally make them feel bad into doing it. This needs to be a decision that teams make on their own without you telling them, hey, how, how to run their business. You know, it's, it's ironic that the people writing these articles sit up in a press box, you know, up, up over the stadium, kind of isolated in their own, in their own little world. I mean, in fairness, some of the players are, vo- are vocalizing the belief that you know there should be netting there, and but if you were a player, you wouldn't want the guilt of a person getting hurt on your shoulders. That's why you, one reason you agree to it. But again, look, look at all the sport, all the way from youth to now. now. You can go to a high school field. Do you have netting all the way around, all the, way around the field? No. No. College? No. But people are going to watch the game. Minor leagues? No. All of a sudden, you want to go for it. Just the reasoning. It makes sense in that you're trying to protect people. The problem I have is you are then taking away my decision to make that decision. Well, you know, the thing with the players, too, and now I'm getting a little petty probably, but you know what? Maybe some of these players want to commit to coming out before the game with a, a bag of ball, you know, a handful of balls and walk out there and, and, and you know, and I mean, they don't have to do it, you know, just here's a six for you, six for you, six for you. However many, because I, I read that it's, they average around 30 balls going to this, uh, to a, uh, a game. I'm, I'm not seriously suggesting this. I'm just saying that this is the fan experience and you're taking away from the fan experience. So, you know, I mean, this is fantastic. It's you're you're concerned the fan experience, and I get that. I'm not worried about the fan the fan experience, John. I'm 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 wanting to be able to choose where I sit, and be able to choose not just where I. You're going to be able to choose where you sit, regardless of where you're at. But I want to choose where I sit, with the that choice being how I view the game. I don't want to have to look through a netting if I'm there without my kids. If I'm there with my daughter, I'm sitting far away because. I know the realities of the game. If we start taking more responsibility for ourselves in sports and life and so on and so forth, everything changes. Yeah, I, I wish more people would. Quit trying, quit trying to, to, to tell people how to live their lives. I agree. I want to sit where I want to sit. And let, yeah, let me go sit where I want to sit. If I and if you don't, there, like, you don't like where I sit, you don't want to, then, don't, then, then you don't have to sit there. You could, there's plenty of seats available that, that, you, that you won't have a line drive hit, hit you. And you're more than welcome to see it. Put up big signs that say danger. You know, you may be hit by a line drive. Put the, you know, like we put silly signs on everything now. You know, don't swallow. The, you know, this sock will kill you if you swallow it. I mean, I'm being joking. <laughs> oh, my God. I can't, think of, I can't think of a good example of, you know, like. Well, the McDonald's coffee cup. You ever see the, the yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. person with their drank coffee sued McDonald's because they burnt their lip. Yeah. That's like, not really. It's hot coffee. You don't know those balls flying off the bats can hit, can hurt you. Well, I, I don't, I don't, I, you know, I don't know what to tell you. Like I said, I'm more good. Put up signs, put up signs. Don't put up netting. But you know, I, I haven't heard any news articles about that family. that got the, the little girl got hurt. And, you know, a thank, very thankful. She's okay. She's fine. She's very thankful. You don't see the parents complaining about, no netting or anything. Well, you you rarely ever hear any fan come out and complain about netting. 
Have you ever? I've never heard one complain. But it's we have Jeff Passan, who is always on some kind of social mission in the game, going ahead and, and making that call. I want, I want to make decisions. And, and for crying out loud, stop being an activist as a journalist. Go cover the game. Go cover the sport. That's it. Just yeah. That's unfortunately this uh, baseball is one of the purest sports, and hockey are still one of the purest sports that try to stay away from that. But, but all right, it's creeping so, in. I don't know if our thoughts on this will get us in trouble. We'll find out. But you know, we'll find out. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Talking Halos and search for our page on Facebook. You can find me, Derek C. Paul, DC Paul, and John Crane at Jags Crane John. Don't forget to speaker. Sorry, speaker. <laughs> Spreaker. Spreaker, iTunes, we're on Google Play. That's right, we're on Google. We are also available on Spotify. We're pretty much everywhere now, Player FM. Go check us out. So, for John, this is Derek C. Paul here at Talking Halos. Take it easy, have a great one, and we'll see you midweek. Where else does history hang from the Raptors? Jalen Brown throws it down. Where else is your own city? Home to your biggest rival. The battle of LA is real, people. And 30 feet is still in range. Hurry, action. Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? Where else is history? Still in the making. Oh my goodness. Where else? The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. The NBA is back. Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? And 30 feet is still in range. Where else is history? Still in the making. The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.